I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Um, I appreciate his trust and I appreciate his vote of confidence in me to allow me to be behind this pulpit in his absence. Um, that's not something that I take lightly. It's a privilege to be up here and, and to, to bring up the word of God. And I really pray that God moves in a mighty way. And so is Harbor. That's right, church. I always get them all confused on the south side of Bloomington. It's like there's Shiloh. They all start with S's, I think. There's, what's the smack one? What does that mean? Souls matter. See, yeah, they all start with S's, so I get confused on who's who. And I also want to give honor to our first lady. I think she's in class. No, there she is. I want to give honor to Sister Hill. I really love and appreciate the Hill family. Do you love and appreciate them? You should. They watch over our souls, so we should love and appreciate them, and I appreciate their ministry. If you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. It's a real popular portion of Scripture, and we've probably heard it preached a thousand times. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, or the Amplified says it like this, to grant to those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. If you would, let's lay your Bibles down. Let's come together. And now we've already prayed, but I want us to pray that God would open our minds and our hearts to receive this word. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be in your house tonight. We thank you for your word and ask God that it would go forth and accomplish that which you have purposed it to do. I pray, God, that you align our hearts, our minds, and our spirits according to your will and to your purpose for our lives. I pray, God, that you would lose revelation and wisdom into this house tonight, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the ladies' split sessions over the past couple months, we've been discussing spiritual warfare and different spirits mentioned in the Bible as outlined in this book called Strong Man's His Name, What's His Game? And last month I was going to teach on the spirit of heaviness, but we got a late start and it just didn't happen. And that was the thing that I really wanted to talk about the most. But as I was praying about the lesson for the next split session, I kept feeling like this was something that needed to be a church-wide thing, not just for the ladies, but something for church-wide, um, the church, church-wide lesson. And honestly, I thought to myself, well, that's never going to happen. Um, God would definitely have to open that door. So I prayed, and Lord, your will be done. And so here we are. Obviously, the Lord wants to speak to us regarding the spirit of heaviness. I truly believe that God wants to set each one of us free in this building, but also corporately as a body. We've been plagued with the spirit of heaviness for quite a while. And there has been a shift in the spirit, and we are moving in the right direction. We are going to come through this. 
And I'm going to teach or whatever I'm going to do, Breaking Through to Joy. So there you have the title. There's a parallel reference to the scripture we just read that is found in the New Testament in Luke chapter 4. Jesus had just come from the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil, and he fasted for 40 days. That's a chunk of fasting. That's a long time. We did, what, 28 days, but we did it individually. We didn't do 28 days all by our lonesome. Who's ever done an extended fast? Like over 10. You ever done 21? It's not easy. (laughs) It gets harder and harder, you know. But there are great spiritual benefits that can be reaped from fasting, on doing an extended fast. And when he left that wilderness, the Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He then goes to different synagogues teaching. And then on the Sabbath day in Nazareth, Jesus reads from the book of Isaiah. And he's going to read in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. There's a slight variation from it in the Old Testament. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus just stops in the middle of that passage of scripture from Isaiah. He just stops. He doesn't go on to tell them that he's going to comfort all those that mourn. And he doesn't tell them anything about giving them beauty for ashes or the oil of joy for mourning, or even the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And everyone is just looking at Jesus like, why didn't you finish it? And all he has to say is, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. He was trying to reveal himself to them, but they couldn't see it and they couldn't accept it. Not only had Jesus come to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. He would go on to fulfill the scriptures that he is our comforter. He is our prince of peace. He gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. When we first come to God, after we've repented, we've been baptized in Jesus' name, and we receive the Holy Ghost, I don't think there's any feeling like it in the entire world. I remember when I got delivered, when I got saved, I was walking on cloud nine. There was nothing heavy about me. I was light. Everything was bright sunshine, and it was like this unexplainable joy that I had. We have unstoppable faith when we first come to the Lord. We're on fire. We're hungry. We can't wait to get to the house of God. Nothing will stop us from being in the house of God. And unfortunately, somewhere along the way, after heartaches, after disappointments, or having allowed sin back into our lives, we find ourselves joyless, depressed, detached, and merely existing. We're burdened down and heavy with the cares of this life. We get accustomed and acclimated to being oppressed. 
by the spirit of heaviness without even realizing what's going on. God never, ever, ever intended for us to live that kind of life, just to merely exist. He never, ever intended for us to live that way. Heaviness means of great weight, hard to lift and carry. A spirit of heaviness indicates a heavy heart or a heavy spirit. And having a heavy heart and a heavy spirit isn't always a bad thing. That kind of sounds contradictory, but it's not. Sometimes when the Lord is drawing us to intercession, we may feel depressed. We may have a heavy heart. And a lot of times we misinterpret the depression and uh, give it a little uh, dose of Xanax. Or, you know, you know, I'm not judging Xanax. I don't want to come across that way. But sometimes we medicate ourselves out of the depression. Or we uh, do like, what is it, a binge of Netflix. We want to desensitize that feeling of depression. But when in all reality, God is calling us to intercessory prayer. And so what we have to do is we have to be prayerful and ask the Lord, okay, I feel depressed. Is it because I need to pray for somebody? Is it because you're drawing me to intercession? Or am I under attack by the spirit of heaviness? We've got to ask the Lord. You know, sometimes, I mean, I, I'm a dimwit sometimes. I am. <laughs> it's like, oh, duh, sorry, God. You know, am I the only one in here that doesn't listen to the Lord, that doesn't follow his directions? Please tell me I'm not the only one in here. But sometimes we, we just, we're, we need to ask. We need to ask if it's a call to intercessory prayer or if we're being attacked by the spirit of heaviness. Although the word of he- excuse me, although the word heaviness is mentioned in the Bible 14 times, the Hebrew word for heaviness in Isaiah 61 is different here than it is anywhere else in the scriptures. It comes from the Hebrew word. Here we go. <laughs> here it comes from the Hebrew word keha, which means feeble. An obscure meaning, some obscure meanings of it is somewhat dark, darkish, wax dim, heaviness, and smoking. Not the kind of smoke smoking, like smoking like a flame. Justinius's Hebrew Chaldee lexicon refers to the spirit of heaviness in verse 3 as a spirit broken down. Have you ever felt like you were broken down? Nothing else to give? Beaten to a pulp? I have. The same Hebrew word keha is used for smoking in Isaiah 42.3. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. And I, I tell the ladies in, uh, in our classes, I am a huge fan of the Amplified Bible. I like to kind of put them side by side. It kind of helps me get a hold of the scripture. And the Amplified says here, a broken reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will not harm those who are weak and suffering. It's also the same Hebrew word for wax dim, as in First uh, Samuel 3.2. It says, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. When we are afflicted and we are oppressed with the spirit of heaviness, if we don't deal with it, then over time we become like that dimly burning wick. 
our vision starts to fade. And we have a broken down spirit. And you know, we don't even realize sometimes that our, that our light's going out or our vision's fading. We don't. We just kind of like go through the ho-hum of every day, you know, getting these ruts. And we fail to realize that our vision isn't what it used to be. And we all know that the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. <clears throat> and a lot of times we don't even really realize how broken down our spirit is. In the lady split sessions, I've um, been breaking down how different spirits will manifest themselves. We, we look at the fruits or the attributes of a spirit. And so I'm going to kind of continue in that fashion. So, ladies, when you get this one bumped off your list, just want to mark it off. <laughs> Excessive mourning. Mourning is a natural response and absolutely should be a normal response when you lose a loved one. When a loved one passes away, there should be mourning. And it is healthy to mourn. And we should take the time to mourn. However, actual mourning should only be for a season. The Bible says, weeping endureth for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. There's going to be a season. That night, it's, there's no written in stone. You're going to mourn for three months and you're going to move on. It's different for everybody. And, and whoever said to pastor, I want to, <laughs> shame on them for saying that, for him to get over it. That's not, it's not something you get over. But anyway, we'll get back to the subject here. It's natural to mourn, and, and like I said, the season will vary from person to person. But excessive mourning is when somebody can't move past that. I know of two individuals who lost a loved one, and it is almost like it happened yesterday. And it was like 20, 25, almost 30 years ago for one person. It's like they can't move on from that incident, that event and I'm not saying that you're not going to ever forget the person. You're, you know, you're going to remember, you know, if it was a tragic event, you're going to remember that. But to be an excessive mourning is, one, it's not healthy. And also, it is a sign that someone is being oppressed by a spirit of heaviness. Sorrow and grief. Sorrow is defined as distress caused by loss, affliction, disappointment. And grief is defined as keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss. We have all had sorrow and grief at some point in our lives. Whether it was a loss that we suffer, like you lose a job, or you suffer a great disappointment. Sometimes we're disappointed that God didn't work things out the way that we thought he should. I am guilty of that. I have been hugely disappointed. It wasn't God's fault. But I was disappointed that God didn't turn it around the way that I thought he could or should. And it's, it's hard to admit that, but, you know, it's something that is like grief, uh, sorrow, I'll get it right, mourning too. It should only last for a season. Sorrow and grief should only last for a season. Nehemiah 2.2 says, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Sorrow of heart. And whenever that sorrow and that grief have gone on extendedly, take a look. 
It's probably a spirit of a heaviness that is oppressing you. Insomnia. Are there any other insomniacs in the house? <laughs> oh, there's a couple of us. <laughs> it's so uncanny to me that as soon as I lay down, my brain goes, Boop! and everything imaginable comes into my brain. Things that I haven't thought about all day will come to my mind right as I get ready to shut my eyes. And then my mind goes 90 miles an hour and it's like, you've got to stop. You've got to go to sleep. And the Bible says in one, uh, Psalm 127:2, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. When we're sleep deprived, we can't focus. When we're sleep deprived, when we come to the house of the Lord, we don't feel like worshiping. Anybody been so tired? You're just going to come in. You're going to sit in your pew and you're going to, I love you, Jesus. I'm worshiping. <laughs> I mean, you work 95,000 hours a week. <laughs> you're tired. But you come in. No, you don't come in. You actually move around. Some, but <laughs> it's in you to move around. But that's what we do when we're, you know, when we're in insom- when we have insomnia, we don't sleep well. We don't give our all to God because we don't have it to give. And that is something that the devil loves to use. It's so easy to rob you of your sleep. It is so easy to get you distracted. It is so easy to get you to binge at 11 o'clock at night on Netflix and you're up till 6 o'clock in the morning and then you got to get up because you have kids. Yeah. But then we don't take the time to pray because we're tired. Nice little trick of the enemy there. Self-pity. Yeah. Psalm 69:20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. Self-pity is a trap of the enemy. It will lead to offense. Nobody cares about me. They didn't shake my hand. They didn't, you know. At some point or other, we've all felt self-pity. We've had our own little pity parties. We all have. I have. Have you had? Everybody has had a pity party. But there's a danger in not getting a hold of that. When you let it get away, you open a door in your life. For one, for offense, but also for that spirit of heaviness to come in. I got gotcha. you. Doesn't take much. Despair or loss of hope. Hopeless, hopelessness, having no hope. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. My heart's been sick before. I have had my hope deferred. Like I said earlier, God didn't work out some things the way that I thought he would. And when we get that sick heart and that despair, it just kind of like, it's like a vacuum that sucks you down and sucks you into this darkness. Who's ever been in the pits of despair? Nobody really knows. I have been there. It is a very dark place. And God never intended for us to be there. 
And that spirit of heaviness will keep you there in that despair, making you feel like there's no hope. Feelings of rejection. That might preach all on its own, though. (laughs) When a spirit of heaviness is upon someone, they will experience feelings of rejection, feelings of not being accepted. The enemy wants us to feel rejected. He wants us to feel rejected by our brothers and our sisters. He wants us to feel rejected by the leadership, by our pastor. And he wants us to feel rejected by friends and family just so that he can drive a wedge between us. And when he drives that wedge between us, he breaks that unity that God ordained for us to have. We're supposed to be a body fitly joined together. There's no room for a wedge. And the spirit of heaviness will make you feel like you're being rejected. When actuality, you're not. Our, our feelings and our emotions are deceitful. Brother Hill talked about that this Sunday. <clears throat> Depression is a condition of general emotional dejection and withdrawal. Sadness greater or more prolonged than warranted by any objective reason. Sometimes depression can be a chemical imbalance. I've had postpartum depression. I don't many women have. It's a chemical imbalance. It takes you a while to kind of level out, adjust to all the stress and all, you know, the things that you got to do as a mother. You know, there's a chemical imbalance there. But sometimes it's an indicator that something's not right. Like I said earlier, sometimes depression is just God calling us to intercession. But sometimes it's an indicator that we have sin in our hearts, that we're not praying like we should, that we're not worshiping like we should. I tell you, worship will get you out of a funk quicker than anything. And if you don't believe me, try it. It's a challenge. Suicidal thoughts. The enemy will use hopelessness, rejection, depression, self-pity, sorrow to weigh down heavy upon a person's heart, upon their mind, and deceive them into thinking that there is no other option but to end their life. I am grieved by the number of children, children, and young people that are committing suicide or attempting suicide. That's a huge problem. I mean, I was listening to something on the radio the other day that, you know, they attribute a lot of it to the trend of this suicide started whenever social media became popular. So as social media went up, so did suicide. Sad. But you can see how it would work that way. And it's just sad and we need to break it off of break that spirit of heaviness off of our young people we need to pray a hedge of protection about them and guard them with our prayers we can get to little nitty-gritty stuff inner hurts or a torn spirit heaviness a broken down spirit broken-hearted or broken spirit proverbs 15:13 says A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Here's my amplified. 
A heart full of joy and goodness makes a cheerful face. But when a heart is full of sadness, the spirit is crushed. Been, been crushed? I've been crushed before. Proverbs 18:14 says, "The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit or a broken spirit who can bear?" Wounds should take us to the feet of Jesus. The devil is like a ravenous wolf that can smell blood. When you're wounded, he knows it. And he will hone in on you. When we don't take our wounds to the cross, we open ourselves up to bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. We open up a door in our lives that allows that spirit of heaviness to come in and consume us. It pulls us down into the depths of despair, and it pulls us down into a pit of darkness. Broken relationships can cause us to, have, to be brokenhearted or have a broken spirit. The death of a relationship leaves all parties reeling from the after effects. If you've ever gone through a divorce, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's like a death, but that person is still alive. And it's like you can't fully mourn the loss of it because they're still there. Not that that's a good, bad thing, sorry. But <laughs> that did not come out at all like I meant it to. <laughs> so rewind that and let's record over that. <laughs> yeah, buddy. So the death of a relationship, like I said, leaves all parties involved really from the after effects. And Satan will use those misunderstandings to thrust his fiery darts. And cause deep wounds in our soul and in our spirit. And that is when we become vulnerable. We are exposed to the enemy. And then when we're at that point, he comes in for the kill. He comes in to kill unity. He comes to kill the unity in the home. And he comes to kill the unity in the body of Christ. And even though the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If you look at the entire chapter of Isaiah 61, you'll see in the beginning of the chapter there's some specific proclamations for deliverance. He's going to bind up the brokenhearted. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to open the prison to them that are bound. And then when we get down to verse 3, God's got a really, really cool exchange program going on. I call it an exchange program. Because it says, he's going to give us beauty for ashes. He's going to take those ashes and he's going to give us beauty. He's going to give us the oil of joy for mourning. He's going to give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then, as if the deliverance and the exchange program aren't enough awesomeness, He tells us the why. He gives us a reason why he does that. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. God intended us to live fruitful lives. Fruitful. 
We're not supposed to be some stick on the side of the road. We are supposed to live fruitful lives. And Psalms 1-3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever do he doeth shall prosper. Going back to Isaiah 61 in verse 4, it keeps getting better. I love this chapter in the Bible. I was like typing my notes. I'm like, I'm just going to cut a jig right here and there. Y'all ever get excited about reading the word? It just quickens in your spirit like, oh, yes, I needed that, Jesus. So going back to verse 4 in Isaiah 61, it says, And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. When we get delivered, and then we do that little exchange program when we've got joy, we've got the garment of praise, and we've got beauty for our ashes, we're going to build. We're going to restore. And that's where we're at. God is shifting us. He's bringing us out of the spirit of heaviness. So that we can build, so that we can restore. Verse 5 And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien, not like ET alien, it's a foreigner, <laughs> shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. God is going to send us the reinforcements that we need for revival. We're not going to have to worry about it. We may be few now, but God's going to send us exactly what we need. To accommodate the revival that's coming to our church. Amen? That should make you excited. Verse 6. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. Blessings. We've been, what was it, last week? We pray for blessings. For our brothers and our sisters, God is going to let us eat the riches of the Gentiles. We're going to have some Gentile funds coming in. Hallelujah. (laughs) I say that on behalf of the church as a secretary. (laughs) Yes, Lord, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Got amen from that side. Verse 7. For your shame, ye shall have double. This is where I started getting really excited. For your shame, you shall have double. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land shall they, excuse me, they shall possess the double. We're going to possess double what we lost. We're going to possess double what this county has. We are going to possess it. Amen? Amen. I believe it. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. We're going to get double for our trouble. I think somebody preached that, but it's good. We're going to get double for our trouble. We're going to get the double blessings. We're going to get that everlasting joy. Verse 8. For I love... Let's try that again. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their, their work in truth. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Verse 9. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles. Their seed 
shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. That is the favor of God. And it's ours. That is the favor of God. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Aren't you thankful for salvation? He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. I can't help but think of the coming of the Lord in that scripture. That makes me excited. Verse 11, for as the earth bringeth forth her bud... And as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. We get delivered. We get that a little exchange program. Revival is going to spring forth. Simple as that. It is going to happen. So I'm coming to a close. God wants to deliver us. I have come out of some, I'm just going to be a little transparent here for a second because i got a second. God has really brought me out of some darkness, out of some heaviness over the last few months. And it wasn't until like, like three or four months ago I was asking the Lord, like, God, what is wrong with me? Have you ever asked God what's wrong with you? You can't get it together. I have no idea what's going on. And I asked the Lord, I said, God, what's wrong with me? I cannot get over this. It's like I have been here, right there, almost to where I need to be. And then something happens and I go, and then i got to work my way back around. And on a whim, I felt like the Lord told me, by the spirit of heaviness. So I did. I bound the spirit of heaviness from my life, from my home, because that's where a lot of it was coming from, was in my home. My husband's a backslider, if you don't know. So a lot of heaviness was in my home. And I bound it in Jesus' name, and I loosed the oil of joy. And nothing miraculous happened. Nothing. I didn't feel a thing. When anything spiritual going on, it just I just said it. But then I started noticing a shift in the way that I thought and the things that I did. Like, okay, God, I'm going to break through this. I'm going to fast a little more. I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to make a sacrifice, God. I'm not a morning person, if you didn't know. <laughs> I may act like I'm happy in the morning, but I'm really, really not until I've had my, like 10 gallons of coffee. And then it's like I needed to break through. And the thing that I know that works more than anything is worship. In my deepest, darkest times, when I have worshipped the Lord, regardless of my circumstance, God has broke through. He's given me a word. Or the situation may not have gotten better, but I was okay because I worshiped and I knew that he is sovereign and he's in control. And bit by bit, 
I have felt that darkness crumble around me. It was like I could see myself when I prayed. I was like in this deep, dark cave. And like that was the vision like I had when I was praying about this. Like I'm in this deep, dark cave. But at the end, there's like a pinpoint light. And I'm like, I'm like, devil, I'm coming after you. I'm tired of being in my home. I'm tired of the heaviness. I'm tired of the depression. I'm tired of you keeping your hands in my church, tormenting my pastor and his wife. I'm sick of it. I'm coming after you. And that's what I've been doing. It works. It does work. And he wants to deliver us. And as I've come out in deliverance, I see more and more people that are oppressed with heaviness. And there's been a heaviness over our church for a while. And it's time for it to go. Amen? And who's with me on that? So God wants to deliver us. He wants to set us free. He wants to heal us and restore us. He wants to make us whole. I've said this a few times in the ladies' thing. He wants to make us whole. We are no good to anybody if we are broken. We are no good to the world around us if we are broken. Not like broken spirit and contrite heart. Broken. It's like broken toys. What use do they have? You know, God wants to make us whole. And my pastor's wife in Owensboro used to say this little quote. Knowledge without application is futile. Futile means incapable of producing any result. Ineffective, useless, not successful. When we know what we need to do and we don't do it, it's no wonder that we don't get any results. It doesn't work that way. If we don't, if we don't put into it, we're not going to get anything out of it. So we're going to do some application tonight. It's Wednesday night. The church is here. Amen. And we're going to pray. And we are going to break this stronghold of bondage that has been upon our church. You know, it even kind of like filters out into the community if you look at it. We have a very oppressed county. Maybe I'm the only, do you guys see it? (laughs) We have a poor county. It's heavy. It's oppressed. And it's time for a shift. It's time for a change. So if we all stand. It's a little different. But this is what I really felt in the Holy Ghost. God confirmed it. And it's God that's going to do it. And we're going to pray in steps. And I've been teaching the ladies in our ladies' session that before we can deal with the Spirit... And before we can take authority and dominion over it and break it down, we got to check ourselves. The first thing we do, ladies, we repent. So that's what we're going to do corporately. We're going to repent from any bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness towards God or towards our brothers and our sisters that we've allowed to enter into our hearts. Because that is what opened the door to heaviness. And so that's where we're going to repent first. We're going to repent corporately. Okay. Amen. (laughs) You know, we all get kind of nervous when we talk about repenting as a body. 
because wonder what he's repenting of. <laughs> we get nervous because we don't want the person next to us to hear us. So we're going to ask the Lord to forgive us as a church body. All right. Lift up your hands. Jesus, we come before you tonight, God. Lord, we repent to God for the bitterness and the resentment, the unforgiveness, God, that we have allowed into our hearts, God. I pray, God, that you would come into this place, dear God, and that you would cleanse us and purge us from all unrighteousness, dear God. From the things that have hindered us and have bound us, Lord, I pray, God, that you would lose your forgiveness upon us, dear Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that in the cross of Calvary, dear God, in the blood of Calvary, we have forgiveness, we have redemption, Lord. Come into our hearts, God. Change our hearts, change our minds right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we surrender, Lord, these things that we have carried in our spirit. God, we relinquish them to you, dear God. We lay them at your feet, Jesus. Oh, God, forgive us, God. Cleanse us and make us pure. In Jesus' name, Oh, help us to turn away, dear God, from the things, dear God, that cause us to, Lord, to be drifted away from you, Lord. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, we're going to bind the spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 18, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. We are the ones that can pray that. We've gotten everything out of the way. So now we're going to bind the spirit of heaviness. In the name of Jesus, God, we come to you and ask that you would bind the spirit of heaviness from off of our church and out of our homes. We bind it according to the authority that is in the word of God and the power that is in your name. We come against the stronghold of bondage that he has had upon our church and we break it right now, God. In the name of Jesus, we will not tolerate this spirit anymore. I take authority over it in my home right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it in my life in the name of Jesus. And I take authority over it in our church right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We stand on your word right now that says whatsoever we shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and we bind it right now in Jesus' name. We cut off its effects and its influence in Jesus' name. Now we're going to pray for some healing. We need healing. We need God to make us whole. He needs to heal us in our broken places. We have some broken places, and God needs to heal us. Amen? All right. going to pray for healing, and then we're going to lose some stuff. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would let your healing virtue flow upon our church right now and upon me, God, that you would heal us, Lord, of the things that have broken us, Lord, the broken relationships, broken friendships, God. Lord, let that healing virtue flow, dear God. And I pray, dear God, as we are healed, that we are aligned to your will and to your purpose, dear God. 
inerle romoreni yashore matayalorondolololobokorende yashandalakai i receive your healing right now dear god let it just flow upon this congregation lord ilaramundo yashorende yasatayoloromokorende shandalamakatai we receive that healing, God. Heal us in our broken places. And now we're going to lose the comforter. We're going to lose the oil of joy. We're going to put on the garment of praise. And we're going to lose the peace of God. It's amazing what peace of God will do for you. Amen. All right. Lord, we come before you right now, God, and we lose the comforter. You are that comfort, God, and we lose that comfort upon each and every one that is in this house. Let the oil of joy flow right now, Lord, from the front to the back, from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, God. Let that joy saturate every fiber of our being, dear God. Let it drive away the darkness, the despair. Lord, I rebuke every lie of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we put on the garment of praise right now in the name of Jesus for the spirit of heaviness. That when we come to church on Sunday, dear God, we are not going to be the same. We are going to have liberty and freedom in the Holy Ghost. There's not going to be any that is going to hinder us from coming down to the front and to worship and to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Knowledge without application is futile. Sunday, who's going to come down and worship? That is what's going to break it. We are starting the process. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according, according to the power that worketh within us. Worship is the power that works within us. That's us putting forth that effort. Amen. So I hope you're blessed by this word. This day forward. It's done. It is forever. God confirmed his word this morning to me. And if I have to be the only one worshiping down front, I'm going to be the only one worshiping down front. I might start pulling people. <laughs> Here comes Sister Laurie. I used to do that in Kentucky, y'all. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but seriously, isn't God good? All right. So this is going to close it up. Hug a brother and sister or a sister and tell them that you love them and God's going to do a great and mighty thing. Amen.